Hello, my name is Jim, and this is a City Church Daily for Saturday, March the 6th. I'll be reading from one of my favorite resources today. It's the Blue Book by Jim Branch. This is entitled Hunger and Thirst. Trying to satisfy our thirst can be an incredibly exhausting process. You can hear it clearly in the words of the Samaritan woman. Sir, give me some of this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Our hearts seem to be a bottomless pit in constant need of love and affirmation, significance and value. We don't just seem to be able to get full and stay full. We're always longing for more. It is an endless process of filling and filling and refilling our thirsty souls over and over and over again. Why? Because ultimately we turn to all the wrong places in our attempt to quench our thirst. Places that were never intended to fill the deepest longings of our souls. Only God can do that. Unlike the Samaritan woman, most of us know who Jesus is. We know about the cross and the resurrection, and we have accepted his gift of forgiveness for our sins, been baptized, and even joined the church. We may even serve on a committee or volunteer in church missions. We at least are not Samaritans. We even love the temple, but we still yearn for something more. We yearn for something more in our relationships and families. We yearn for something more in our jobs and sense of purpose. We yearn most of all for something more in our experience of God. George Barna, one of the leading researchers on church and religious issues, recently published some statistics showing that 75 million people attend church every Sunday, but less than one third of these people believe that they interacted with God during the worship service. And over one third say they've never experienced God's presence. That is amazing. But one statistic Barna didn't cite is even more striking. 100% of us thirst for more of God than we have now. Like the woman at the well, sooner or later, perhaps in a quiet, reflective moment, we must all come to terms with the honest truth that we are looking for more than we've found thus far. We certainly don't resemble the Samaritan woman. We keep our marriages to a minimum and we hold down respectable jobs and pay our bills on time. We look pretty respectable and orthodox, but our souls are desperately thirsty. Perhaps your prayer life has dried up or in spite of your best efforts, you still are not making much of a difference in anyone's life. Or maybe you've lost all the joy, all the passion in your life. You have the same sadness buried in your soul as all those Samaritans had. You may have a head full of knowledge about God, but you still yearn to experience something sacred, something that will at long last calm the ache from deep within. As the story unfolds, take your place next to the Samaritan woman. It's part of my pastoral calling to look closely at the lives of those who go to church. They all clean up pretty nicely on Sunday morning. But just below the surface, 
lie souls that are not nearly so tidy. I gaze into the faces of people I know and love. I see couples whose marriages are hanging on by a thread. And next to them is a daughter who was just arrested last week for driving under the influence. Two rows behind them is the church's newest widow who is wondering how she will survive sitting all alone in her seat for the first time in 40 years. She happens to be sitting next to a young couple who desperately want to be parents, but not a single one of their fertility treatments seem to be helping. The details may change as I look from face to face, but the essential story remains the same. They're all thirsty. My job is to remember that what we are struggling with is not just our families and jobs. No, the stakes are much higher than that. The real struggle is with our parched souls. We were created with a need to satisfy our physical thirst. And every morning of our lives, we're reminded of this thirst. But this practical thirst is a symbol, maybe even a sacrament that points to the deeper spiritual thirst of our soul. So also is our longing for better families and more satisfying jobs as a symbol of our deeper yearning to be part of a family and mission of God. We simply cannot satisfy the thirst of our souls by pouring on new relationships, experiences, achievements, or new careers. As a Samaritan woman discovered, it doesn't matter how many times we may try to rearrange our relationships and reorder our lives. Until we find relief for the soul, everything else will be nothing more than a distraction, a very temporary one at that, from our fundamental craving for living water. Most of us haven't gone through five spouses, but we've gone through jobs, five moves, five weight loss programs, or five churches, and still we're deeply thirsty for the things of God. We will never find what we're looking for in the things we pick up along the way. Not even the religious things. Not even important things like relationships. All of these things will leave our souls empty if we try to force them to satisfy our thirst. The true object of our search is nothing less than an encounter with the Holy One. I'm going to close our time together today with a prayer from a tree full of angels. Oh God of tender mercies, I know I've kept you at arm's length. I've kept you safe in heaven, but heaven has leaned down to the earth and I've been touched anew. Like thirsty ground, I long for you. Forgive my casualness about your love. Forgive my shallow life. I am finished with shallowness. I used to pray that I be saved from eternal death, but now I pray to be saved from shallow living. Eternal death? Shallow living? Is there a difference? Oh God, deliver me from shallow living.